0: Welcome to the Bethel World Outreach Church Podcast. It's our prayer that wherever you are in life, today's message will help you draw closer in your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. I am so grateful for this opportunity to be here, and thank you, Bishop, for giving me another opportunity to be here. And uh, I have such wonderful memories of our time at Oral Roberts University your bishop has always had a heart for people. I think uh, when I saw him, he, you know, he was a very good student. You know, he was very studious and he was standing at a, in those days it was called CRT terminals where uh, Oral Roberts University, the entire library system was on, uh, on computers. So you cannot go to a card catalog to find a book. You know, you had to be at the terminal, so he's there for some research, trying to find his books. And I came, I haven't seen a terminal in my life at the time, (laughs) and so there was this unit next to him, so I came and looked at it, trying to figure it out. I think looking at me, he knew this guy is as green as they come into this country. (laughs) And he began to talk to me, and that's a very nice thing. Because sometimes when you are new, you know, people don't think that you're new or they look that you're weird or whatever. (laughs) Many of you had opportunities to, (laughs) or they use terminology that we don't understand. You know, I asked the guy if he had a a change for a dollar. This is my very first hour at ORU. If he had change for a dollar, he said, I'm broke. I'm thinking, how can you live in America and be broke? (laughs) It doesn't compute. (laughs) Now, a lot of you are from other nations, so you can laugh with me on this. (laughs) But, you know, Bishop always had a heart for people. And that's a very beautiful gift that God has given your leader and your shepherd here. And uh, yes, hallelujah. You're a very blessed people. Uh, Not only a heart, compassion, reaching out, because he could have just carried on with his work. One more student among the 4,000, but he reached out, and I still remember him taking me to church. So I have great love for you, and what a great work God has done through your faith in God and obedience, and the nations that you're touching, and including my nation. So praise the Lord. How many of you are excited? We serve Jesus. Hallelujah. He is a living God. Hallelujah, there is none like him. I want you to pray for my nation. It's a very vast nation, 1.2 billion people are living there and they need Christ. There are many things they consider as God, but it is not. But there is one who has already paid the full price for every sin that anyone has committed to be forgiven. And his name is Jesus. There is one who has already carried every sickness that's in our bodies. And that any person could ever experience, he has not only carried it, but paid the full price. Come on, say it with me. The full price has been paid. Hallelujah. So as you came in this morning, they would have given you a prayer card. If you didn't get one, please make sure you get one as you go out. The usher, Mr. John, is there, and he'll make sure. Take as many as you want and pray for us. Pray for our nation. We are at a crossroads where God is about to do something in our nation which no eye has seen and no ear has heard. You know, that is changing not only hearts, but perhaps the entire spiritual landscape of this vast nation. Yes, we send doctors out, engineers out, but it's time that we send them out filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? So pray with us, pray for us, pray for protection and pray that God will, This next five years, will be the greatest time in our, in our history for the numbers of people who receive Christ and experience a radical transformation. Will you do that? How many of you will pray? Wonderful. Make sure you take as many cards, put it all over your house, wherever you can see it, on your dashboard, refrigerator, on your laptop, I don't care, anywhere, in your wallet, you know, that's a good place too. <laughs> This morning, I want to speak to you about the Holy Spirit being our prayer partner. The Holy Spirit, our prayer partner. Now, the Bible teaches extensively on prayer. We know a number of Uh, miracles that have happened in the word of God where men and women prayed and great and mighty things have taken place. So we understand that prayer is important. Jesus taught on prayer. There are many scriptures we have memorized about prayer. Yet there are times when we recognize there are inadequacies in our own lives when it comes to prayer. There are times we don't know how to pray. There are times when our mind is filled or assaulted by the lies of the enemy. Where we think that we cannot pray or God may not hear us under the present condition. How many times we put something away saying, well maybe this evening, maybe tomorrow morning I will be in a better frame of mind. But today through God's word we are going to discover something Very wonderful. That will totally revolutionize our lives as we pray. I want to draw your attention to the scripture found in the book of Ephesians. Chapter 6 and verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. This is written by the apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. In the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. This scripture, incidentally, finishes as Paul describes the full armor of God. And the full armor is given to all of us to wear every day so that not only will we be able to stand against the enemy, but we can also engage the enemy in battle, and triumph over him. So there are different parts of the armor that Paul explains. But then he finishes with prayer. So prayer is like a lance, a long-distance weapon that we can use. But the word he uses for prayer is commonly used throughout The New Testament, almost 127 times this particular word or derivatives of this word is used. And so if the Lord God is going to use a particular word 127 times, then we need to find out what that word actually means. The word for prayer is a compound word. There are two parts to this word. The first part of the word means two words. Close, up close, intimate. Every time this word is used in the New Testament, it always talks about closeness, close proximity, or something very close. The same word is used in a very familiar scripture, John chapter 1, verse 1, where the Bible describes or talks about the heavenly father and the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was With God. That word with also means close or face to face. So here is the beautiful picture. By using this word, God is telling every one of us. The minute we begin to pray, wherever we are, the moment any believer begins to pray, the Lord God comes so close to us. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God. The word was face to face with God. Talks about how close they were. Now how many times the enemy has lied to our minds to put a distance between us and the Lord. Yet see how beautifully God describes what prayer is. It's not based on who we are, what we are going through, what has happened before, but wherever we are, whatever is the time, whether it is just a minute prayer, five minutes, 10 minutes, or an entire day you're praying, the moment we begin to pray, something powerful happens. The living God, the almighty God, the unlimited God, It's not tied up with anything else. You, his son, you, you, his daughter, you are praying and he comes immediately close to you. He is so close to you. Isn't that wonderful? We don't have to strive to enter into his presence. All we have to do is begin to pray and call upon Jesus and begin to talk to him and he will come. He will never ignore us. He will not push us aside. He loves you. He loves me. And he will come to us. The picture that comes to my mind is a mother with a newborn baby. Many of you hear of mothers and fathers. When your child was born, how did he hold the baby? He held the baby very close. Sometimes the baby is happy, sometimes the baby is not happy, it didn't matter. You held the baby very close. Sometimes the baby smelled good, sometimes the baby did not smell good, yet we held our children close. You held your face close, you were talking to the baby. Perhaps the baby was distressed. Your soothing tone, your soothing words, comforted the baby, settled the baby, and turned the mood around. You can feel the breath of the baby on your face, and the baby can feel your breath upon its face. What is What happened? Face to face, very close. So it is not based on what has happened in our lives. Right now is a good time. Any time is a great time. You ever long for the presence of God, you don't have to go 50 miles away to find the presence of God. Right in your car, right in your home. Even if there is total chaos in your house, the minute you begin to pray, Almighty God draws close you. Hallelujah. What a great God we serve. When you have that close an audience with God, how much easier it becomes to pour our heart out to him how much easier it is to share the deepest desires of our heart, the struggles, the the desperation, the despair, and we know he is listening to every word. In that one part of the word, every lie that the devil has ever spoken to you and me is utterly canceled. We don't ever have to listen to what he tells us what prayer is. You know, if I begin to pray right now, my God will come so close to me and he's attentive to me. He wants to hear me. He's there. When he's there, there will be an answer. There will be the breakthrough that we need. Hallelujah. Now the second part of the word prayer has these meanings. A wish. A desire, a vow, and prayer. A wish, a desire, a vow. In prayer, or the way this word was understood, someone needs a desperate answer or an answer that only God can provide. So the person says, I will exchange Something that I possess of great value for this answered prayer. They make a vow. They make a pledge. Now, this concept, this idea is expressed in the Old Testament in the life of Hannah. How many of you remember Hannah? Hannah was married for many years, but she could not conceive and have a child. She just wanted to be a mother. She wanted to be a mom. And so she goes with her husband every year to the tabernacle to offer sacrifice and worship God. But then this one time, after the sacrifice was over, after the meal was over, while everybody is relaxing, she went back into the tabernacle. You read that in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 11. And she says, oh God, if you will remember me, And if you will listen. And if you will not forget your maidservant. See it's written right there. Then she says. But will give your maidservant a male child. Then I will give him to the Lord. All the days of his life. And no razor shall come upon his head. So what's going on? She wants an answer. She's desperate. So she tells God. You remember me, help me have a son. He is the greatest possession that I have and I will give him back to you. And God honored what she did. Her prayer and the Bible says in verse 19 and 20 that God remembered her. She conceived and brought forth a son. And later on, when the baby was weaned or the young child was weaned, she took him to the tabernacle and gave him to the service of the living God. What an incredible life young Samuel had. There are two books dedicated to him in the Old Testament. He was a great prophet, a great judge. He helped the nation at a critical time. But you see, prayer means not only being so close to God, but exchanging something of great value. See in the Greek mindset, see the New Testament was written in the Greek. When they came into their temples, they would place before they even pray, they would place something of value in front of that whatever idol it was and would say, if you will answer me, then I'll come back with a thanksgiving offering. And God took that word to help his people understand I am not looking for something of value that materially you possess. But God says every time any one of us come to him, we can exchange the greatest possession, our own lives, for his life. Come on, somebody say, my life life in in exchange for his life. Now, we know what our lives are. You know the challenges, you know the weaknesses, you know the idiosyncrasies, you know the failures, you know every weakness that is ever there. Because even if you don't, the devil will make sure you know. And what does God say? When you come to me, when you are so close to me, look at the time as a time of consecration look at the time as a time of of being at the altar where we give ourselves to god as a living sacrifice that's where we exchange our sorrow for his joy that's where in prayer you exchange your weakness it doesn't matter What type of weakness you are born with, you can exchange it for the supernatural strength that comes only from our God. You can exchange your confusion for... Direction and decisiveness from the living God. You and I can give Him our despair and our depression and receive joy unspeakable, full of glory from God. It doesn't matter what area it is, we can come to Him. What a great God! He says, Exchange whatever is your weakness for my life my abundant life, a life that is rich and full. Come on, anybody ready for that? So prayer means three things. One, close to God, face to face with God. Everybody say, when I pray, I am am face to face with God. Nothing in between. God is so close to me. When I pray, I exchange My broken life, my problems, for his supernatural strength, for his divine life. When I pray, there is thanksgiving. Hallelujah. You see, this makes prayer exciting. We don't have to say, oh, I don't know whether I can pray. We don't, we are not overwhelmed by the task. Because it gets only really better. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter chapter 4 verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Now we have all memorized this throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I want us to focus on three words and a phrase here. The word boldly. Second is obtain, third is find, and the phrase help in time of need. The word boldly, what does God mean by that? When the New Testament was written, it was written in Greek, not only was it written in that language, but uh, most of the people were living under Roman rule. They were part of the Roman Empire. Except for the Romans, nobody else had any citizenship or any rights. It was also a time where people could not speak frankly what was in their hearts. Nobody would dare to criticize Caesar, the Roman governor, or whoever was the local official, or the policies. There was no freedom of speech. The word boldly actually means freedom of speech so here there are believers living under the harsh Roman rule could not talk even within the confines of their home if a person began to speak something that was against the government or the governmental official rest of the family will tell them to stop because they didn't want to get into any trouble So the Lord God uses a word called freedom of speech. He tells them, I am the living God, creator God, almighty God, but I want you to have freedom of speech when you come into my presence. You don't need to pray a structured prayer. You don't need to say, only these types of words are acceptable to God. God says, you come into my presence and you just be frank. You pour your heart out. You be out, you know, just be outright. Don't, don't hold back. Don't have to find a particular way to say something. We don't have to think, if I would say like this, will God be offended? No, he's not. What he desires is that his sons and his daughters come Quickly and swiftly into his presence with one thing in mind. I need to open my heart to the living God. You can do that anywhere. In your car, in your home, at the place where you work. Before you walk into a meeting, you're trying to help your child. It doesn't matter what area it is. You can be absolutely bold. You can tell God, I don't know how to raise a child. You can tell God, I don't know how to find the right person for my life. God is interested because he has the one person for you. We don't need to go through a 50 people. He has this one person. Just one person. I'll tell you my story. I was at Oral Roberts University. And my mom told me when I left India don't date <laughs> that's the only command <laughs> well i came to the united states and quickly became a chaplain for 80 students at grad housing graduate housing and i heard challenges with relationships that i didn't know existed it was a unique world i told myself i don't think this is for me how can anybody go through this not once but many times and still study You know, how can you write a 12-page paper with all the stuff inside you? So I decided this is not for me. And you know, at the right time, I graduated. You know, I had some people tell me, hey, if you cannot find a wife, where there are 4,000 people, where are you going to find a wife? I don't have to find the wife. God already has created that person. We don't have to go looking. He knows where you are. He knows your address. He knows the apartment number. So, I graduate, no wife. I go work for a great man of God. It was, it was the right person to work because he had a gift to extract work. He kept me busy. If there were 24 hours in a day, he kept me busy for 26 hours. <laughs> but it was good training. But then, but then, one day, I was in this place, this vast building, with a single phone, and somebody opened a door behind me, And I turned and looked, and there was this lady standing, and something happened inside me. It was like a veil was removed. (laughs) I experienced something in my heart I didn't know existed. Except, you know, um, when I asked her if she would like to go out and eat, she was busy and she was busy the next 25 times. (laughs) But each time I asked because God was showing me something about her and I responded. And so finally, the Lord said, you're getting in the way. So I said, Lord, I'm sorry for getting in the way. I stayed away. And God worked the miracle out. We never dated, but we got married, you know, April the 21st, 1991. 28 great years we've been married. Never dated. We dated after we got married. <laughs> and of course, the Lord blessed us only with seven children. <laughs> I tell you, every family should have at least seven. <laughs> You know why we don't have children? Because we have so much unbelief. (laughs) Because we are hung up on insurance. (laughs) We're looking at today's (laughs) paycheck and say, I can't afford. You know, when my first child was born, the ministry I was with had insurance. They paid 80%. I had to pay 20%. It took me six months to pay 20%. With the next child, insurance became better. They paid 90, I had to pay 10. Six months it took to pay 10%. By the time my third child came, God told me, go to India. So neither one of us have a job. And the whole thing we paid in four weeks. Yes, I am sharing this as a testimony to the living God. I tell you, the God we serve is the provider. He will provide. He will provide. And with the last three children, we said, why are we going to all these hospitals? Let's just have a home birth. That's how it happened in the Garden of Eden. Which doctor was there? (laughs) There was no problem. (laughs) So the last three were born. Perfectly well. God did amazing miracles. We saved a ton of money. (laughs) But anyway. (laughs) Freedom of speech. We can go to God. And pour our hearts out. Second word is obtain. Now contained in this word. Is this very important truth. That God wants us to lock in. He says Take a hold, grasp, until that which you took a hold becomes your own. So what is that we are to hold? You see, in that word is another meaning. Something comes forcibly from above. Something is coming down forcibly from above. When it comes down and when it lands, whatever was there is just crushed Moved out of the way, this thing that came down is now dominating the whole scene. So for a believer, what comes down? The word of God. God's word comes from him. Every promise was from him, came from him. Because only he can think of such a promise. Only he has the power to fulfill such a promise. So God says when you read my promise don't read it and wonder will this ever happen yes. I God says I spoke it there is no one like me in all of universe and so when I speak it shall be done yes. And so the Lord says grasp my promise grasp the declarations of faith don't let go until it becomes yours 100%. That's the key. Because God is faithful to his word. He is faithful to his word. I want to share a quick testimony. When our sixth child was born, we are in India. We did one ultrasound just to make sure all the fingers are there and all the toes are there. (laughs) So that we can pray in advance. And... We brought this midwife to come and help us from the States and she arrives in India late in the night. All flights come so late, like 11 o'clock and something like that. So she comes, she brings her to her home and she takes her little device to check for the heartbeat. She checks for the heartbeat and the heartbeat is up here because the baby is not engaged. The baby is not turned. So this lady is looking at me with great alarm. She says, do you have any emergency plans? I said, No. And she's kind of confused. She thinks he does not grasp the uh, significance of what's going on. She's told me, you see, the head is up, the feet is down. If the baby comes and the tube is pushed out, it'll freeze. And the baby will lose oxygen and becomes immobile. And the baby can die or your wife can die or both can die. So what do you want to do? I said, we're going to pray. So she went to her bedroom. We went upstairs and we prayed from 12 midnight to 6 in the morning. 6.10, my wife told me the baby's coming. Usually when she says that, because of nine months of prayer, God removes pain. And so we, at 6.10, she says, baby's coming. I went and got this lady, and she tells me, oh, three, four more hours of labor. I said, no, ma'am. When she says baby's coming, it's coming. (laughs) And within three minutes, the baby was born, you know? Head first. Head first. Hallelujah. How can we... Human beings Frail as we are. Believe God. Because there is something inside the word. Jesus said. My words are filled with life. And my spirit. So when you take the word of God. And refuse to give away the word of God. The very life of God. And the spirit of God enters you. And the word takes a new dimension. Inside your heart and mind. You are not thinking the way. Anybody normal will think. Now you are thinking the way God wants you to think he touches your eyes you begin to see the circumstance the way God sees it so the miracle can take place that baby when we prayed we prayed, Lord reach your invisible hand inside my wife and take a hold of that head and turn it around and that's exactly what God did nine and a half pounds no complications Because we serve a good God who says, I give you the freedom of speech to come and talk to me. Pour your heart out. So in your heart, you need to decide, what is that that the enemy is using to oppress you, to bind you, to rob you of your joy? What are the lies that have become so poured out in concrete that tells you this is all there is to it? The question is, Are you listening to the word and letting God lift you out of that miserable position and say, speak with your mouth. Take a hold of my promise. Don't let go until it is fulfilled in your life. Now, the third word there is find. The word find means somebody who's doing a lot of research. Somebody who's doing scientific experiments to come to discover something. You know, everybody has a cell phone. It didn't happen by accident. Years ago, There were mathematicians who were working on certain concepts and formulas. People who who were involved in physics were studying physics and understanding more as God revealed to them. Those who pursued chemistry were working with various salts and acids to find the right thing. And then they all came together. And today we have a little phone in our hand that can do everything, show where the church is. So you can miss all the wrong turns. You know, how does it happen? It didn't happen by accident, right? God is telling us, search my word. Just like a scientist who doesn't give up. See these beautiful lights here. A man called Edison had that vision to discover light. He knew there was one material that will burn. But he didn't know what it was. Few thousand experiments he failed, but finally found. He never gave up. We are all blessed because of that one man. Don't give up. Not only will your life be touched, but your children's lives will be touched. They will teach your grandchildren. They will teach your great-grandchildren. I'm telling you, there is something excellent, wonderful, divine that you can pass to the future generations. And it comes because you took time to understand the word of God and let the spirit of God bring life inside you through his word. The last phrase is it help in time of need. It talks about that precise moment. That precise moment when one soldier hears that his fellow soldier is in the battlefield hurt or is pinned down by enemy fire. The minute he heard it, he rushed into the battlefield to go and get his friend. Out of harm's way. Whatever it took. He's going to do. To bring him back to safety. That's called in time of need. So you see what God is saying. I want you to come to me. Be frank. Open your heart. Don't hold back. Share exactly what you're thinking. And then take a hold of my promise that I've given regarding that area. Don't let go. Hold tight until it becomes your own. But the way you find the promise is just like a researcher who's doing experiments. You delve into it. You look through the word of God. You open it. You read it and say, Holy Spirit, help me understand this. I'm not letting you go until I understand this promise, this word. And God says, when we pray, He's the great warrior. The minute he hears your prayer, like that soldier who heard somebody's in trouble, he comes the great warrior into your battlefield. And he's not going to stop until he finds you. Whether you're standing or wounded or under captivity, he will get you out. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say, in time of need. need. When I call upon my Jesus, he will enter the battlefield. He will rescue me. Bring me back to victory. Safety. Safety. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Romans 8, 26. The Bible says the Holy Spirit helps our infirmities. The word help right there means partnership, cooperation. Many in the business world have had partnerships. Some went well, some didn't go well. Some people wondered why I ever got into this partnership. But that is not this partnership. You see here, you and I are partnering with the living God. Do you understand that? What a great privilege it is. Almighty God says, I want to partner with you. What does he bring into the partnership? Unlimited power, unlimited wisdom, knowledge of the mind of God, strategy for every challenge. What he brings into the partnership is so vast. What we put in it is so minuscule. I'm telling you, it's a good deal. We need to sign up now. No, you're not interested in that. (laughs) Come on, I need to sign up now. The next word means, the weaknesses means weakness in any area. It can be mental, physical, emotional. Any area there is a problem is weakness. So what does the Holy Spirit say? In the middle of your weakness... Don't try to deal with it with your own natural ability, wisdom, or what somebody else said, or your past knowledge. Come to me, make me your partner, and I will help you with that weakness. I will turn it around. I'll give you an example. Say this pulpit here is a very heavy piece of furniture, very heavy, and one day you want to move this. You try to push on it, doesn't move you're pulling on it it doesn't move because it's so heavy so you get two three people to come and help you everybody takes a hold of it puts their hand and together you were able to move it what the Holy Spirit is telling us is in the middle of your challenge your weakness make me a partner I will put my hand on that weakness I will put my hand on that area that you don't know how to deal with. And together we will put our weight against that weakness. And move it clear out of your life. As you sit here, you know areas in your life right now. Maybe at work. Maybe at home. Maybe there's some area that you don't know how to deal with. The Holy Spirit is ready. He's always been ready. You see, this helps us to know that prayer was not for us to pray by ourselves. That's why we are frustrated. That's why it's such a hard job. Can you imagine how joyful it is when the Spirit of God himself steps in, takes a hold of the problem. Your emotional problem, your mental problem, your physical problem, your financial problem, issues with your children, things that look impossible. He says, let me grab it. Come on, somebody raise your hand. Say, Holy Spirit, Spirit. you are my partner. I make you my partner. Step into my area of weakness. Take a hold of my weakness. Push it, oh God, out of my life. That I will have the victory that you have for me. Hallelujah. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Fourth line, there's a word intercession. The word intercession means falling in with or falling next to. A different way of seeing it is rescue operation. Have you ever seen footage where maybe somebody was sailing in the Atlantic and the boat capsized because of a freak weather change or a storm? The people are struggling for their life because God hears about it. They send a helicopter and these trained men, without hesitation, jump into the water next to the people who are struggling. Why did they jump in? To get that person out of that dangerous place into a place of safety. And the Holy Spirit is telling us, when you make me your partner, I will jump in next to you. Where you are bound by some quandary, some problem. It could be many times it's our own making where we are. So the Spirit of God is telling us, even I am your partner, I am able to get into any circumstance. There are people who cannot understand you. Even your best friends cannot help you. Your parents may not be able to help you. Your siblings may not be able to help you. Your counselor may not be able to help you. But Almighty Holy Spirit says, You call upon me. Make me your partner. I will get in next to you where you don't know what to do. And I will get you out of there. And plant your feet on safe grounds. Hallelujah. Wonderful touch one more word. Verse 27 it says he who searches searches the hearts. You see the word search? It's like an investigator looking through mounds of debris to find clues that one thing that is so important that will solve the case. But it says is the Holy Spirit who searches our hearts. When God created us inside our hearts he has already place his well-laid plans. Inside your heart are the plans of God, what God wants you to do next. Many times people struggle, well, I was doing all this, it was great, now I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do next. Well, it was already thought about in the heart of God, it's already placed inside your heart. And when we make the Holy Spirit our partner, he begins to dig your hearts. He begins to expose the awesome, exciting plans of God for your life. And once it is revealed and exposed, then he can tell us what it is. We see it. And then, together with the Holy Spirit as our partner... Together, we are able to pray for his fulfillment. That's why the scripture ends by saying, he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So if you don't know what's next, if you're not sure what's the next job, whatever is the next thing right now, I am urging you, based on God's word, time to make the Holy Spirit your partner. It's time, believers, talk to the partner. You need to talk to the Holy Spirit. Cannot ignore him. If you're married to somebody 30 years, you never talk to him. Is that a marriage? No. He's living inside. Jesus said he, is, he will abide in you forever. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Come on, everybody raise your hand. Let's pray. Mighty God, thank you for this great day, great hour to look at your word. I pray, God, that your word will be sealed in the hearts of every man, every woman here. And they, oh God, in Jesus' name. I pray they will reach to you in the midst of every lie of the enemy, in the midst of every impossibility, in the midst of failure, in the midst of despair. I pray God every child of God here will look to you and say, you Holy Spirit are my partner. I don't know how to tackle this area or this struggle. Come into my life, step into that area of weakness, push it out of my life. Keep digging through my hearts. Exposing your plan, your purpose. So that your will will continually be done in my life. That my life will be a testimony. Will experience abundant life that you paid for. In Jesus name. Everybody shouted. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. To learn more about Bethel or to support this ministry financially, please visit us at www.bethelcityofhope.com. You can also connect with us via Facebook or Instagram at Bethel City of Hope. Thanks again. Have a great day.